This is the Golf Life Faith Podcast brought to you by College Golf Fellowship. I'm Toby Ragland, one of your hosts. Another host is Jace Barber, and we are CGF staff members full-time. We love serving the world of college golf, and this podcast is going to be conversations uh, with our PGA Tour partners, with CGF and other partners in the world of golf, and we hope you learn a lot. Uh, We certainly will along the way. Hope you join us for the journey and learn all areas, golf, life, and faith. Our guest on the podcast is Zach Johnson. He almost needs no introduction for those of you in the world of college golf and pro golf. Listening, he has 12 victories on the PGA Tour, two major championship wins so far, uh, the Masters, and also the Open Championship at St. Andrews. He's won some historic events on some historic golf courses. He was a member of the Drake University men's golf team. And on this episode, What was fun to talk about, beyond his credentials as a golfer, who's won almost $50 million, he he talks through dating his wife while he was pinching pennies, playing mini-tour golf, traveling around, playing everywhere he could, uh, the early struggles of pro golf, and then even in the midst of that, coming to faith later in life, where he really took ownership of his faith, of understanding what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, On top of that, I just want to say he's been a good friend since we first met, while I was doing my internship up at Sea Island. Uh, He loves people. He loves Jesus. uh, He loves CGF. And more importantly, just a good friend to to those around him. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Golf Life Faith podcast here with my partner, Jace Barber. What's up? How are you doing, Jace? Doing great. We are sitting in the living room with Zach Johnson. Zach, welcome to Golf Life Faith. Gentlemen, thank you. Good to be with you. And... You know, preparing for what types of questions to ask you is fun because i um, known you for a long time, lots of great stories just from your early years playing golf, um, pursuing professional golf, and um, you hosting your retreat here at your house mm-hmm. back in 2017, mm-hmm. I think it was. I believe that's right. Yeah, and uh, had a great Q&A with, with you and Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned a lot about your story. So a lot of fun. Super excited to uh, ask you some questions and kind of see where our conversation goes today. Yeah. And we're, I mean, we're, we're thankful for your, that you're on, Zach. Um, I know in some other podcast guys, like, we'll talk about how you're like the big whale and that the fact that they landed you and that you're on the podcast is awesome. And the fact that you're on our podcast and you willingly wanted to do this, like, Guys are going to love it. Wow. Guys are going to love it. It's my, it's my pleasure. I've never been referred to as a big whale. Um, gosh, I wish my wife was here right now. <laughs> she would start laughing. and I'll, I'll show you. I'll, 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 I'll play the clip for you. After okay, this. perfect. Yep. Yeah, it was a great way to reference that podcast without actually referencing it. Yep. I love it. <laughs> I don't know what faith. podcast you're referring to, but I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll just yeah. nod. Um, so you've had a lot of great, career highlights um a lot of people know you know masters 2007 uh, you got to win the open championship at st andrews but i want to and i say rewind but you know you won the masters in 07 it's only rewinding your career maybe seven years to you know 2000 mm. your first year on corn, what's now the corn ferry mm. tour mm. walk us through those those early challenges of pursuing professional golf sure I mean, just, <laughs> I think you said it, just the fact that uh, I 
decided to pursue professional golf was not normal and pretty crazy considering my life, you know, up through my young 20s. I mean, I'm from the state of Iowa. I mean, the the individuals that are professional golfers up there start off in a pro shop and pursue that career, which is great because that was actually, unless I would have gone back to school, was probably my only other option um, at that point. I didn't, you know, uh, look into any internships in the business world. I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to turn pro. I was improving in golf and I'm like, Hey, if I'm going to keep improving, I don't want to have any regrets. You know, I want to, I want to, if there's an opportunity to play this professionally, let's, let's get the finances in order. Let's get all the necessities in order. And I did. And I'm grateful for that. A lot of great people, um, certainly stepped up. That's, that's, I'm the product of that trust and that faith. Um, but yeah, I mean, I turned pro and you know, all that really means, right. Is you're, you're playing for money instead of, uh, you know, a trophy. Um, now, was there a point during your college years at mm. Drake mm. that you were, where you kind of got some clarity of, all right, I'm going to give this a go, you know, even before having the financial right. backing? Sure. And- I mean, was there overall like perfect clarity? No, there wasn't. However, my mindset as a kid was always, okay, I, I want to play professional sports. <laughs> Clearly, the mainstream sports. Um, Certainly back then, you know, uh, uh, those those sports kind of went and passed. You weren't wanting to go play college football? I, I, I didn't want to pursue football. I mean, I guess I could have been a kicker, <laughs> possibly. Uh, I played a lot of soccer. I played a lot of basketball. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I my football days were numbered. But I, be honest, when you were a kid, yeah. you were looking at the, the Iowa hey, team and you wanted to be on that team. I'm telling you, my next-door neighbor called me Zach Zach, the quarterback. There you go. You know. So you were the next next Russell Wilson. Correct. You just decided to be a professional golfer. Correct. The yeah, only the only problem sense. was I could palm a, a, a mini junior football. I couldn't throw a normal football, right? Yeah. Um, and I was five foot nothing and maybe a hundred pounds, so that didn't work out so well. But um, I love team sports. You know, I mean that that's golf picked me. I mean, if I'm going to be brutally honest, I mean I I, I would probably probably rather play other other sports and I still played them in college you know I played I was honorable mention all intramural you know um <laughs> I could I could walk from three-point line to three-point line and uh maybe occasionally shoot it but um kidding aside <clears throat> no I mean I, I the improvement was steady each and every year you know for every one step I'd take back I would I would take two or three forward both on the course and and certainly from a, a strength standpoint and things of that nature. So my coach at the time, even some of my teammates, uh, one in particular that was our best player, um, were like, hey, you, you should give this a shot. I mean, why not? You're 20, you know, at the time I was 21 because it was the first semester of my senior year. Why not pursue it and see what happens? I get, give myself two or three years. That was kind of my thing. If I, if I could get the necessities in order, and thank the Lord I did uh, because of people. <laughs> Um, let's just see where we go. And, um, you know, mini tour world at that point. Right. And I won my second event, you know, I had the happy Gilmore check. I don't know what it was, probably 2,500 bucks. You know, I probably paid five plus 500 to play. So, you know, the beauty of the mini tours is that you taught, it taught you how to certainly play professional golf, but how to really try to win. Because if you didn't win or finished in the top two or three, you weren't making much money. 
Yeah, and what tour was it that you were playing at the that first moment? Right. No, perfect. It's a great question. I graduated May of 98, uh, and that summer, late spring, early summer, I played the Prairie Tour, uh, which is kind of in that, you know, South Dakota, Iowa, a little bit, primarily Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Missouri. And I don't know how many events there were the year, probably 12 to 15 events, you know, and I probably played most of them. But I'm playing against pros. I'm playing against guys that are fathers that – played on the Nike tour or played on, you know, a couple of them actually had a year or two status on the PGA tour. So I'm playing against, you know, some decent, you know, certainly experienced individuals. And, um, I won't ever forget it. My first hole as a professional was outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. And I made a seven on a par five without a penalty shot. I was like, welcome to the big leagues, you know? <laughs> and then after that, I don't even think I made a bogey, but my point is, you know, it was a, it was a great harsh learning lesson right off the bat. And, and, I kind of went with it. And then when my entire time, work time, obviously no school, <laughs> no more interview basketball, when that was all just golf, the improvement, I don't want to say it was rapid, but it certainly was on a much steeper trajectory. And what did that work look like then? <sighs> I was a trunk slammer. So I would, you know, I would take my golf clubs, go week to week, um, tournament to tournament, and – I'd play some, – some weeks we had two tournaments because these, these aren't four-day events. There's no Thursday, Friday, cut, weekend golf. It was, you know, a practice round. Some of them even one-day events. But, you know, a two-day event, and there may be a couple days off, trunk slam it, go to the next stop, do it again. And uh, the week's off, you know, you practice and play every day. And that's, that's really what I did. You know, uh, my body <laughs> was young and in a position that I could do that. You know, I didn't have – and even back then, you know, fitness and golf wasn't that big of a deal. We don't need to get too d- deep into that. But if I have any regrets in the golf, you know, in my young golf career is that I didn't take my physical, uh, you know, the, the workout, the, the therapy, and the recovery seriously because I didn't – I was ignorant. But um, anyway, that, that that's neither here nor there. But I, that, that's what I do. And, you know, I didn't – again, I didn't have a workout regimen. I would just practice. And, and I was always on the mindset based on watching my parents that if I'm going to make this happen, the work is in the dirt. And I, I love that, though, because you just came here from a workout. Yeah. So, but yeah. you did – so, but, like, a lot of guys will just, you know, see, oh, man, I should have done this, and then not change anything. Right. And you know yeah. that you, you could have changed oh. it then, so you can change it now. Yeah. I mean, I, I've learned so much, right? I mean – this game at this level in particular is, you know, it's a big pizza pie and it just depends on, you know, you know, the slices and how you, how you divvy it up. But you certainly have the technical side, the fundamental side of the game. You have the mental side of the game. That's always a big piece and can use your attention. And then you have it certainly have the physical side, right? Um, I firmly believe there's a spiritual side to it, but that's, you know, for discussion. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's a balance too. And where, where do you, where do you put your emphasis? Where do you put your time at my age, the gym, the physio table, whatever you want to call it, recovery is just as important. And it's changing, if not more important than me going beating six irons for two hours. Um, and I've, I've learned that the problem with all this is, is that my peers, specifically some of the younger ones grasp that sentiment Right, even in college or just after, and they're really good, and now their bodies are even better. So we're seeing athletes play the game, much like you, Chase. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. 
I feel left out there, but we'll, we'll just go with it. Now. <laughs> I mean, he's a beast. I mean, well, I mean, I've got to at least explain how, you know, in 2009, I just trying to finish up my degree at the University of Florida. And to finish it, I needed an, an internship. So I called Randy Myers and Scott Fedison up here at Sea Island. And we just, we made up the internship as we went, emailing my sure. professor sure. back in Gainesville. It was awesome. <laughs> But one of the highlights, um, I got to spend a lot of time with you and Jonathan Bird, and man, you got after it. I was incredibly impressed because I'd go try the workouts you were doing, and I'd be like, "Man, I feel ten percent." Okay, so this strong. is the exaggeration so. podcast. Is that, is that what this is? <laughs> no, it's kind. I mean. But you said you do wish, you know, you yeah. had gotten that lesson ten years earlier, Correct. versus. I mean, you know, for sure. And, and, well, and, and I kind of did. I mean, you know, I remember my swing coach of 22 years, Mike Bender's like, okay. I, I mean, I came to him. I'm like, hey, do you know of anybody that I can go get some sort of workout protocol? I mean, you know, this is, we started in 99. So by this point, it was probably 2001, 2002, give or take, 2003 maybe even. And at the time, there was really a couple of guys. And Randy was a pioneer in, in the in the physical side of the game. So he's like, hey, I'm sending you down. At the time, he was in West Palm Beach area, Palm Beach Gardens, if I'm not mistaken. And so I went down there and just did an assessment, okay? This is just like going in and filling out paperwork at the doctor's office. That's really what it was, but it was a physical assessment. And I walked out of there, and I was not right for like three days. I mean, it hurt. So, <laughs> you know... I, it, when you put the golf club in someone's hands and that's all they do for the most part, day in, day out, the, the lack of symmetry, the imbalance, the, all of that at some point, unless you're just some freak is going to surface. And (laughs) it was very evident that it surfaced with me. So, uh, yeah. And so Randy led me down a great path of learning what not to do, what to do. And eventually full circle, we moved to St. Simon sea Island and started working with him. Obviously met you and, um, yeah, I, I appreciate what you said about the workouts. I, again, it might be a slight You're a exaggeration. Savage. Yeah, right. That's what my kids would say, right? Except for they wouldn't use me in that term. Um, <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm talking like body weight plyometrics, but sure. you know, yeah, but, it was, yeah. but it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could do a lot of three pound curls, right? Yeah, that's so um, good. The eight pound medicine ball was just you know yeah thrown around. You were right. moving it, moving it, right? Moving it. All of three feet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but it, it, you know, I, I guess this goes back to my upbringing. I mean, I, I don't want to keep bashing or you know bringing that up. But anything I did, I did. I just did it all in. I mean, I don't yeah. have I, the mentality of just yeah, we'll just kind of partially do it. You know, I've, I've never been like that. I was not certainly not raised like that. But I there's uh, I'm 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 all, I'm all in. If if I'm going to commit to it, I'm all in, and that's. Mm. Doesn't matter what it is. So now, you know, especially many tours, the early stages, you've got to be all in. Mm. And you did hit plenty of road bumps along the way as you got better. And I want to hear about, you know, I was looking at the 2000 Corn Ferry season. <laughs> was it six cuts that you started the year off missing? No, 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 no. Um, let's see here. I had, I had conditional status. Got right? it. Okay. So I yeah. got through Q School of 99 which yep. was a miracle. I don't, I mean, I, I putted well. That's all it was. I got the last spot <laughs> that second stage. So I got, I got my, I garnered my 
Yeah, Corn Ferry card of 2000. Had no idea what was going on out there, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you travel? What do you, I mean, I had no idea. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a management. I mean, I was a mini tour kid, right? Um, so I was able to, I had to Monday qualify a bunch, never got in. And then eventually my number came up and I just started getting in tournaments for whatever reason. I missed, I was traveling with Charlie Hoffman most of that summer and into the fall. And I think we both missed nine or 10 in a row. Um, I made my last four out of five cuts and that was, that was big. I mean, yeah. that was the one year in my career where I couldn't pay back my investors in full, um, which was a nice <laughs> dose of reality. But I look back on it. It was by far my worst year financially from a, from a earning standpoint, but without question, the best year of my career on learning what to do, not to do. Uh, if I want to make it to the next step, you, you have success out there or even on the PGA tour. So it was very trying. And I had met a young lady that spring. And so now I'm traveling, trying to somewhat have a long distance relationship with no cell phone. I mean, she, she would tell you it was, it was one where, okay, I'm staying at the super eight and Midland, Texas. And that was the phone number. And you can call between this time and that time, really. You know, I mean, it was, it was brutal. Um, a lot of Prego spaghetti dinners, you know, and, and trying to figure out where you're going to do your laundry. And then when you miss the cut, what are you going to do on the weekend? And I mean, that's really, it was brutal, but it was great. It was a really harsh kind of punch in the face. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of it. I'm grateful that I endured that because it, it certainly has helped me and really why I'm kind of talking to y'all today. Yeah. And what about your relationship with Kim at that mm, stage? What sure. was different about her? Sure. What were those, you know, dating her during that really difficult season of golf life? Yeah. What was that like? Well, I mean, we were two young kids, first of all, you know, I mean, she, she's a year, just, just over a year younger than I am. So, you know, we didn't know what we were really getting into. I mean, she first saw me, we lived in the same apartment complex down in central Florida and she thought myself and my buddies that were playing golf, pursuing golf were trust fund babies. Cause all she would see is our, us taking our clubs out of our trunk and putting them back in day in, day out. And that was it. I mean, I, you know, and I had, I had six, excuse me, five roommates. So six of us in a three bedroom and any given night we'd have call it seven to 10 guys crashing in there. Right. No one had money and we're just, you know, trying to, play this crazy game and trying to play it for a living because none of us wanted to get a real job, right? So she took a she, – she, she and I obviously hit it off, and, and at the time she had a nice job in Orlando, but she's like, okay, um, what do you what – you, you know, where are you playing now? I'm like, well, I got, you know, I'm, I'm getting in the car and I'm going all over, you know, Ohio to Carolina to Texas to Oregon to California and all over. So – that was not easy. That was a kind of a, you know, if she's going to stick with this guy, I mean, this guy, he's a nomad. I mean, and I didn't have a home. I mean, I mean, I guess you could say, I think my address was my parents' house still. So I was the post-college kid that, you know, got mailed to his parents' house. I mean, I, I didn't have a home per se. So it was trying, you know. I mean, we weren't overly that serious. But then I moved back down in the, in the winter of 2001 and obviously – um, things progressed in our relationship and, you know, um, she stuck with this idiot of, of me and pff, rest is history, but crazy. I mean, looking back on it, just 
she had, she, she, I mean, I was taking risks and pursuing something that was kind of foolish. She clearly was taking a risk and pursuing a fool. So, <laughs> oh man, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, your golf career progressed very quickly mm. after that. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you were learning what, you know, it was like to be a professional golfer from that business standpoint after having a really bad year fi- from a earning standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this stage, you're only a few years from being on the PGA Tour and having an incredible year in 2004. As you and Kim are dating, you know, before you're getting married, what are some other life lessons that are just, that would come to your mind there? Oh, there's a lot. Um, I would say, you know, when it comes to learning how to persevere, learning how to certainly kind of wait for good things to happen in my career, that that was that time period. I lost my tour card in 2000. Obviously, I made four out of the last five cuts, and that was it. Uh, so I, I went back to first stage, got through. Went back to second stage, got through. Couldn't get to finals. Did that for two years. So in those two years, I played the ever-famous Hooters Tour, right? And um, this is about the time where my swing coach, Mike Bender, uh, he broke me down and built me back up. And when that foundation was built, was was strong, I started to really see some fruits of that labor. I started to really see uh, the technical side of my game, the consistency side of my game to really surface. I mean, my bad days weren't as bad, and certainly my good days were probably a little bit more frequent. And so, I mean, 01 and 02, even though I wasn't on the Corn Ferry, I wasn't on the PGA Tour, I was really, really consistent. I made a ton of cuts, and I had a you know, I mean, a handful or more wins both on that tour and some open events. Uh, and even though I wasn't on the corn ferry, uh, I was on these mini tours, I was paying a lot to play, but I was also making money and I was able to pay my investors, cap them off. I mean, I was paying back their principal, but then cap them off in, in full. So, um, Oh one and Oh two golf course was great as far as again, learning, getting better, learning how to win, but then also, you know, the relational relationship side of things, my girlfriend at the time was extremely encouraging, extremely um, confident in what I was trying to do. And I mean, again, if she was sitting here, she would say, oh yeah. I mean, in 2001, 2002 in particular, you're going to make it. Mm. And she wouldn't even hesitate back then or now. And how much did that pump you up and give you? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Serious confidence, obviously. Massive confidence. And, And I'm grateful for that. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm a realist. I, I don't know if that's a, the right term, but I'm. It, when, when it's something that bold, you know, um, and even, especially back then when my <laughs> my faith was uh, not very strong in in a lot of ways. Um, I, I'm a realist in the sense, like, okay, I really, really do like this girl. Borderline love this girl. She doesn't know anything about golf, you know? So that, that, that's, it was kind of that, Yeah, I, I was getting that one individual on my left shoulder and then the other one on my right shoulder where, yeah, you can do it. You're, you're going to make it. And then the other one's like, dude, really? I mean, you're from Iowa. You know, you're, you're not going to make it as a living, but you might have a taste of it, you know, a coffee, you know, a cup of coffee in the, in the bigs. But I never thought that it ever, and, and she would also say, <clears throat> 
Yeah, she told her roommate the first day we met that the one with the dimples is mine. And she would say, <laughs> if I picked the others, they'd be here too. You know, so... <laughs> I mean, it's a hypothetical, but I can't it's, argue with it. Yeah, so uh, she she might have some. Yeah, but so even going back to that point though on faith, uh, when did that start shifting? Sure. In your, I mean, it, just in your personal life, but sure. even relationship golf. You know, when did that all start shifting to you really walking with the Lord? Right. Uh, there's there was there was a lot of um, I'd say steps in that bumps in the road and 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 even you know smooth sailing too, but. You know, I'm I'm a kid that grew up in a Christian household, um, but my story is one probably similar to some kids where, you know, you're kind of, I mean, as a kid, you you look up to your parents, and I mean, I have great parents, I mean, unbelievable individuals that, again, loved me and gave me the opportunity to do anything I pretty much desired. When it came from a faith standpoint, um, my, my faith was one of theirs. And so I followed whatever I was supposed to do, you know? I mean, it was, or my friends, right? I mean, that that's really all you are as a kid. You're going to do whatever your social friends are doing or whatever your kids or whatever your parents tell you to do. So it, it wasn't real necessarily for me or it wasn't um, overly genuine and, and personal to me. It was more of a kind of check it off the list kind of thing. And so you get into college and you're like, well, I mean, I'm not at home anymore. I can pretty much do whatever I want. I'm a young adult. Um, you know, I, I was 18 to 22 at the time, obviously, like most college kids. But, I mean, spiritually and maturity-wise, I was not there yet. I mean, I don't even know if I was 18 maturity-wise. So, I mean, I wasn't doing anything foolish. I'm just saying I was fairly immature, and 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 I fully acknowledged there was a void in my life, but I didn't know what it was. Graduate. Started playing mini tours, as we just mentioned. Uh, again, fully acknowledge that there's something that's just kind of poking at me, striking a nerve now more frequent. And, you know, that void just surfaced almost daily. And mm-hmm. I, not, 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 I would acknowledge it, but I would also kind of push it aside and then yeah. get back to work. Um, and then, as time went on, I would say in my young, young 20s, individuals came alongside, started bringing up the whole faith thing, the Christian thing, the God thing. And those questions were, or not necessarily questions, but those conversations, I don't know if they were necessarily awkward because, again, I mean, I, I grew up going to church. Yeah. Uh, but I would, again, I would acknowledge them, maybe have a little bit of a debate and go on my way. And then certainly when I met Kim, she started asking questions and making those discussions a lot more frequent, giving them a lot more time, intentional. Mm-hmm. And that was frustrating. Um, I didn't particularly want to deal with that right now. I was too busy on certainly trying to enjoy my girlfriend and then also playing golf. And so I didn't really want to discuss it. Yep. And I, I always had an answer uh, for her. Um, and we can get into that too at some point, but it was it was uh it it was it, it was there was a couple of moments in there where I'm like okay this is I mean I'm I'm I got to start acting like a, an, an adult now I mean there you know there's something here if I'm going to be a true man I got to start answering these questions for myself and lo and behold I had individuals alongside of me my swing coach my agent um, who I just kind of been with 
um, certainly some family and obviously my girlfriend that were praying for me and not know, really knowing what they were praying about or what, what their intentions were. Mm. Um, and, and full circle, I remember it was February of 2001, excuse me, 2002, excuse me, February of 2002 where I just cracked, mm. you know? I mean, I, it, it just, it's like the way I, it, it's like somebody took a knife and just went right down my spine, right down my sternum, opened me up, saw the void and said, okay, uh, here's, here's, here's that, there's the void, and this is what's going to fill it. Mm. And that was it. That's but, awesome, Zach. Yeah. I mean, I could get into more detail, but that, that's really what it felt That's like. really good. Yeah, I was going to ask kind of what were those questions that, sure. you know, Kim would ask you, or maybe Bender, what were some questions that still stand out to you mm-hmm. in your mind? I mean, it, you know, obviously the, the relationships you have at that point are the ones um, – the closest friends, certainly Kim being number one, or the she asked me the hardest of questions, right? She, she was encouraging, and she was really, uh, I guess, uh, graceful about it, compassionate about it. But, but I would something, frustrate I her. want to point that out. Like, sure. guys, the guys that are listening, like, that's a great, that's a great trait to look in or look for Huge. in somebody you're pursuing. Somebody Huge. who doesn't just coddle you and sugarcoat everything, but somebody who calls you out. Mm on your stuff and hold you accountable mm-hmm. to be the man that you were talking about. Right. And right. that's, that's huge. I love these right. there Cause I, and I want to point that out cause guys need to hear that. I, and another thing, I can't emphasize this enough. And I, I know I've, I mean, I have peers and friends and other individuals where their current, you know, their, their wife, Oh, she brought me to the Lord. Well, yes. I mean, there's, there's certainly an aspect of that, mm-hmm. but ultimately it was, you know, her prayer time and mm-hmm. the others individuals that, that the power of prayer, that's really what I want to get at. It is what brought me to answering my questions of life. Right. It, 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 my, my point is she would say she didn't do it because mm-hmm. no one person can do it. Right. It's the Holy spirit. That's really got to grab you yeah. and, yeah, and look at you and, and basically punch me right in the face and say, wake up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm right here. Never left. Always been here. Let's do it. And so, Yes, the questions she posed to me were like, well, what do you really believe in, you know, and things of that nature. Do you really believe in God? Okay, yeah, of course I do. I mean, that's that's all I know. I mean, I've always believed there's a God, mm-hmm. right? And yes, I believe there's that his son is Jesus, of course. I believe in Trinity, you know. He died, and certainly there, there's Holy Spirit that we can use as much or as little as we want. That's kind of how I saw it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's also a thing of forgiveness, because I grew up in reconciliation. And you know what? It felt good to... Release your sins, and God will forgive you, and things of that nature. But she's like, are you going to go to heaven? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Why, why, why are you going to go to heaven? I'm like, well, I believe in God, and I pause, and I'm like, well, shoot, I, I didn't do that. I certainly did a lot of that. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to look at me and say, you know what? Yeah, you did some bad things, but, you know, so did everybody else, and you're a pretty good guy. So, yeah, we'll let you in, you know, eternal life. Sweet. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of saw it, and... You know, once I really started to open the word mm-hmm. and dig deep into that, started talking to some other individuals. I had a couple mini tour buddies that went to Bible study. Um, air quotes there. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Bible study. Uh, and started, you know, maybe posing some questions to them, and they would certainly pose questions back to me. And started talking to my swing coach, and, you know, he would always give me some nice um, metaphors and some ways to look at things. Those answers the answers I gave my wife, I firmly, 
firmly acknowledge were not accurate uh, as far as, you know, what truly salvation is all about, what truly Christianity is all about. And to me, it was just checking things off a box. It wasn't relational. It wasn't personal. And, again, opening up the word and knowing exactly that every the perfection of that book and how it draws everything in and points straight to Jesus, Old and New Testament, that's when things started to really, like, you know, again, uh, the awareness, the the full fully acknowledging that I it's not about me. I can't do it. I'm not going to earn my way there. I'm that was my default. And, and, and full transparency, sometimes I still fall back into that because that's the way I'm wired. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not. I can't. I can't do anything. It's already been done. And and that that sort of um, way of looking at it, that looking at it from I think what is the eternal proper lens rather than my immature temporal lens is really what changed my heart. Yeah, it's crazy what happens in your relationship with God when you realize that the creator of the universe loves you. He loves you so much that John 1.14, he came and dwelled with us, and he did the work, and now we submit to that, and we're going to go out, and we're going to do the things that we you know, were talking about, but not out of, uh, you know, oh, I need to do this so that God loves me. Like, no, he loved you. Right. And if you're listening to this, gosh, he, God loves right. you. Right. And the things that Zach's talking about is just... Well, and, and, and to add to it, right, in Ephesians, like, I, I was cracked open, right? Like I said, I felt like I, it was like my chest, sorry, my sternum and ribs opened, and now there's a home, mm. you know, for the Holy Spirit to live in me, to abide in me, to basically direct me, right? And now, where is it? It's still in my flesh. So I'm, my fleshy desires can still surface can, and still, unfortunately, direct me, but... I, rather than letting that happen, continually going back to it and saying, you know what, I, I, this, it's, it's not about me and what I want. It's the desires, my true desires in my heart are to follow the Lord. And mm. that obedience, that sounds, that sounds, you know, a lot of people take that as a negative term. That obedience becomes beautiful, right? Mm. It becomes challenging. It becomes, it stretches you, but it, it's beautiful. And, and that's, if you don't get in there every, every day, then it, it, that obedience is hard to go about. But I, I, the obedience also breeds freedom. And I, I love living life knowing that we're in the land of the dying, going to the land of living, or rather than vice versa. Yeah. And then we always try to run back to that void to try to give us fulfillment. And then we realize, oh, wait, that's a void. Um, and that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, I love how you kept emphasizing getting in the word. Mm-hmm. And, like, if we're going to get to know who the God of the universe really is, we've got to open up mm-hmm. his word and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us to where we can see what we keep going back to is mm. the fact that it's already been done. Mm. And mm-hmm. responding to that good news of the gospel is receiving that message. Yeah. And there's a real life change. It's not... No question. And, you know, I can relate to your story to where I could see some of these things in my life as checking the box or another way to put it, just a good part of life, kind of a, a part of that pie mm-hmm. that you were talking mm-hmm. about as well mm-hmm. and then realizing like no it's a complete actual mm-hmm. life change where yeah. the holy spirit is changing you right into the more like the person in jesus christ 100 yeah and, and you know i mean i think about it obviously you get into the word and you really start to focus on we're all broken i mean that's really what it, the old testament you know it leads you to the fact that we need somebody we need a savior but the bottom line is we don't deserve it and I, mm. that, that, you know, that once I fully understood that I mean, there's nothing I can do, certainly, 
to earn my way, right? Like as we've just mentioned and kind of described, but I, I still don't, I don't deserve it. I mean, it's, that's what true grace is. That's, that is Jesus at its, at its fullest. And I think, you know, um, one of the, one of the things I keep going back to as of late, and cause I'm kind of in that, in that season of life is at the end of all of this is, is it's, it's one of my favorite words there is, is just pure hope, right? Especially in, season we're in right now in this world we don't know what's really true we don't know i mean the 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 words of everything right now uncertainty chaos but at the end of all that if you firmly believe and know what is true there's hope Mm. and uh, that's that's where you gotta go every day and jesus yeah and what are some ways you cultivate that relationship with the lord uh while you're away from home traveling playing week to week well, that's a great question. I mean, um, you know, I'm a father right now. I'm a husband, obviously, and you know, supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family. So that's a that's a great responsibility, one I hold to the greatest. Um, personally, you know, it's again getting into the word as much as possible. You know, what does that look like? Well, shoot, it could be a podcast. It could be just opening up your word and having three to thirty minutes of just time to just talk to the Lord. I mean, again, I, I, I tell you, I'm a, I'm a product of prayer. The power of prayer is so massive. I don't understand the lengths and depths of it, but it's beautiful. Mm. Um, it's a, it, it connects, you know, it's communication. It connects us. Um, so that's one way. I think a lot of the other ways right now, um, you know, certainly as a professional golfer is, is really coming alongside individuals that um, I feel are, to dumb it down, like-minded, but also... Um, understand where what I what I desire to be my priorities and so I've got peers that I talk to there's accountability there mm. one might live on this island um Jaybird in particular um we probably don't talk enough I'm going to be brutally honest but you know it, it is what it is um my roommate on the road is pretty darn good at uh helping me and and encouraging me and frustrating me um he goes by the name of Stephen bunn um he's our uh as you as many would know that's listening uh steven is one of the directors of cgf and one of my best friends in the world and um Mm. we're just doing life together you know i mean i think i think that's it i mean we're challenging each other encouraging each other but also knowing that uh you know what hey there's i've been given the gifts to hit a ball and chase it and hit it again and he's been given the gifts to come out on the road, teach us, um, encourage us, disciple us, and ideally try to keep building that kingdom of God. So um, there's a number of ways. And we've got a great church here too that we're certainly plugged into and enjoy. So um, it's daily. Um, but again, I, 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 this is, this is for, this is a, this is a real podcast here. I want to, I want to make it very known that you know, it sounds like I'm saying all the right things and things of that nature. I mess up all the time. Yeah. But that's the beauty of going back to the cross each and every time. Mm. Smaller, yeah. smaller, smaller, big. Yeah. And as we're kind of coming to a close here soon, uh, just quickly, how did you get exposed to CGF? Sure. Uh, what does that look like? Sure. Um, I just kind of love to sure. do that. Yeah. Uh, well, gosh wish I would have known about CGF when I was in college, but, you know, that was hmm. not what the Lord intended. And now I think it could have happened because of how just 
how this ministry has grown, how it has, um, well, shoot, it goes back to the support of it, right? And, and, and certainly the individuals that trust and, and believe in what you guys do and how you do it. But so I was, you know, I was on tour. I mean, that it was 2004 it was my rookie year. I remember I'm playing in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, and I met Brad Payne, uh, whose parents at the time lived there. They still might live there, as a matter of fact. I'm yeah. not, I can't remember. Yep. And uh, I remember having Brad Payne's mom's enchiladas, which now is a family recipe in our household. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, they're awesome, by the way. If, if you want to get to know me, f- food, it's a good way. Um, and so I met Brad, and I, I didn't know really know much about it. At this point, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, I started going to Bible studies on the Hooters tour. started, you know, the fellowship on the nationwide tour. When my wife and I were married, we were it was run by FCA, an individual who was a good friend of ours, Rob Howe at the time. Uh, excuse me, that's not right. Howe's last name. Um, irrelevant. But um, uh, we would, Ralph Howe, cheese Louise, Ralph Howe, Rob. Um, <laughs> Rob Howe is a college, Iowa football-like podcaster. Anyway, that shows my where my head is at times. Ralph, we're, we're all very appreciative of your ministry. Yeah, design, Ralph's amazing. So. And then he actually became a leader of our church in our Iowa football. So, wow. That's right. That's awesome, though. Ralph Pushing also out. played in the Masters. No won, he won the yeah. U.S. Incredible stories from Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. You know you know Ralph. Yeah. I yeah. got to know him in Orlando a little yes. bit. It sounds exactly. like we Lefty. need to get Ralph on the podcast. Ralph's, Ralph's amazing. Yes. His wife, Linda, Melinda's amazing. They're That's awesome. Two kids and two adopted kids. Amazing family. Anyway, um... What were we talking about? Introduction to CGF. Oh, right. That's right. So anyway, I'm in Greensboro. See, this is a real podcast. This yeah, is not this is, scripted. No, this is, this is exactly. <laughs> With me, shoot, tangents galore. But uh, um, I'm like, this Brad guy's pretty cool, you know? And then I met Steven through him, obviously. And um, I remember Jay Bird one year didn't qualify for Augusta. And I, that's where I met – I mean, I'd known Steven, but that's where I really got to meet him. He brought Steven up and then a couple – College players got tickets, and so they came out and watched. I mean, so bold and cool of Jonathan, even though he's not in the tournament, to come up to Augusta National to walk the Masters for a day with these college kids. And he, he's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I finished in the top ten of this tournament like twice or whatever it was, right? His rookie his rookie Masters, I think he finished like fifth, you know. So whatever. I'm, that's awesome. It, it is awesome. That's awesome. And that's Jaybird. But, uh, yeah, and so it, we, we just kind of hit it off. I mean, it, it was one of those things – you know, and then then Search Ministries was running our tour fellowship, uh, shoot, since the 80s, right? And um, and talking to Dave Kruger and Larry Moody about CGF and what the ministry is all about, I became more interested. And it was just a natural progression to get to the point where I'm like, wow, this is this ministry is set up just like I love how ministry should be set up. It's all gospel-driven. Mm-hmm. It is all relationally driven. And certainly they need the support, but... They're going to do it just by cultivating relationships first. And I just think when you can get into college kids, college golfers in particular, and then obviously the coaches and families of the of the golf team, whatever you want to call it, I, there's something there. I mean, I, I just think, you know, you're, you're digging proper roots, healthy roots, great foundation. And, again, it's all, it's all – it all points back to ultimately um, learning about Jesus and, and certainly, you know, that relationship. Y'all do a good job. Thank you, Zach. You got it. That's because of great, I mean, honestly, it's because of great leadership. You talk about people pouring into you, people yeah. around you. Yeah. 
man, we the leadership of CGF is just it's awesome. It's awesome. It is awesome. And we're we are just thankful to be products and mm. get poured into and our souls mm. be lifted up on a weekly basis. Mm. Mm. But yeah. So Toby, yeah. do you want to end with some uh with some uh hot you know, quick questions for Zach. Ooh. Like we have. Ooh, I didn't. Yeah, this I, is good. This I, is unscripted. I got one ready to go. Hit me. Stealing it from Mike McGraw's podcast. But who oh, is love Mike McGraw? Who is your favorite PJ Tour chaplain? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I did not. That's all, Toby. Oh my gosh. Uh, the partially retired Dave Kruger. That way I can get off. That's I, I don't have to. Smart. Yeah. 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 That, that's and, and Larry one. Moody right before that. So I, I'm going to not, I'm going to dodge that. But then you love all the current ones. I love the current ones. And, I, and, and you guys know this, the beauty of the two individuals. Well, here, here's the thing. It was myself, Stuart Sink. I'm going to go on a tangent. Ben Crane, Aaron Baddeley, and Jay Bird. And Larry Moody and Dave told us, years ago that, Hey, if it's our time to go or, you know, see a new chapter, mm-hmm. you got to let us know. And I remember that conversation vividly. We all did it. We did it over dinner. It's not an easy one, but we thought it was time to go. And we didn't know where we were going to go from there. You know, we kind of had an idea, but they encouraged us to pursue Stephen Bunn and Brad. And so mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that one. And then two, Allow you know I don't know who made the, I mean, the CGF board because there is a board allowing those two guys to travel more so than they probably were and for a different reason. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, the fruits of that I I, I can't mm. I can't quantify. So pretty amazing having those two guys and they both have different skill sets. Yeah. I can't you know ultimately they're in for the common same mission the same goal and 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 that sort of thing. But they both have different skill sets that. It's so great, whether it's a couple on tour, a caddy on tour, or just a one-on-one with a player. I mean, a group of people to one individual. They they just smash it out of the park. Yeah. We're so fortunate. That's true. All right, you said you're a big fan of food. Mm. Favorite meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Probably lunch, because I think my favorite food group is sandwiches. Mm. Okay. It's a good that, food is group. Joey from Friends? What's your favorite food? <laughs> sandwiches? Yeah. I, I, I'm probably going to go with lunch. Are there any golf courses that you have not played? Sure. That you like, what's your top course you haven't played that you want to play? Oh my gosh. If I'm going to pick one, I'd probably pick Cypress. You've never played Cypress? Never played Cypress. Wow. And it's funny you bring this I up. I recommend it. It's, it's a really good golf yeah, course. There you go. Toby's played yeah. it. Obviously. Now I say that, but there's, there's so many, like my favorite kind of golf would be like Lynx golf, right? Like mm-hmm. true Lynx golf, whether it's Irish or Scottish or whatever. I would say when I tell people like whether I'm at a, you know, doing an interview like this or a podcast or, or just sitting in front of a, you know, my Transamerica family and, and corporate, you know, people that, oh, you haven't played there? No, you know, oh, you haven't played there? You haven't been abandoned? You haven't, you know, you haven't played Sand Valley or? I'm like, no, I, I don't play casual golf. <laughs> I mean, I've had one guy's trip and it was because of a hurricane evacuation that, the guy's trip actually wow. surfaced because I mean, currently and my specifically in my season of life, my free time is okay. Well, what's my family? What's my wife doing? What What are my kids doing? Mm. Any sports? Any and you know extracurriculars? Um, I mean, when home kind of feels like a vacation, you, you don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, I, you know, I'm gonna yeah. go play. I'm gonna go practice. 
but I don't need to go do a road trip. And at some point, I probably will. I mean, I like I like the game enough that at some point, God willing, my body can do it. I'll, 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 I may take guys up on that, but I don't have a bucket list. I don't yeah. have a list that, you know, check it off the box kind of thing. I just never have. Yeah. All right, dream foursome, dead or alive. That one's easy. My father, Ben Hogan, and Payne Stewart. Mm. So good. Yeah. And myself. <laughs> uh, we, we got that. <laughs> if we can have five, if the course allows sure. five, I'd probably take my brother. Love that. Yeah. But I never got to meet Payne. Um, love his story. Love everything about where he was, where he went to, his family, mm. how he served, how he gave. Uh, that, that sort of thing. And then obviously Ben Hogan's Ben Hogan. I mean, the man That's awesome. has the model swing, right? That's good. That's great. Well, thanks for uh, yeah. your time and really enjoyed chatting with you. And uh, this is unscripted, right? Very unscripted. We're almost, we're basically done because I got to go to the bathroom. This is great. Yes. I'm being we honest. I got to pee. Are done. <laughs>